Amen. Again, glad that you're here this week. I want to encourage you as always, be thinking about who you can invite every week uh, to join in our men's lunch. We'd like to see it continue to grow. Uh, I always say it, but, but probably one of the, the, my favorite things that we do as a church is put on this men's lunch uh, to come and hear what does it look like uh, to be a man who's following Jesus Christ. What does the Bible say is, is asked of us, and what does it look like to actually live as a follower of Jesus Christ as a man, as a, as a man in our church, as a man in your home, as a man in, in the context of your job or, or, or wherever you're at? Uh, again, just to come back and continually see what has God said and what has he said in his word about us as men seeking to follow Jesus Christ. Glad you're here today. I want to take this opportunity again to always invite somebody to join you. Uh, today, it is the Thursday before Easter, and we are excited about Easter Sunday. We're getting ready for everything on Easter. The choir's been practicing. Everything's getting set up. Uh, all the plans that we're making are getting ready to come into being, and we're excited about uh, celebrating the hallmark day of our Christian faith, the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, walks out of the grave, and he has defeated death, and he stands victorious. Uh, the angel says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen, and we're looking forward to Easter Sunday. Um, however, I think it's important not to overlook the events that lead up to Easter Sunday. Again, we're excited about a risen and resurrected Savior, but I think one of the things that we sometimes do is we get so built up in that and so focused on that that we, we fail to see the things that happen that lead uh, to Easter Sunday. One of the favorite things that I started doing several years ago is trying to read the week before Jesus's a resurrection. What was Jesus doing on Sunday? What was he doing on Monday? What happened during the course of the week? What is Jesus doing on Thursday uh, before he goes to the cross uh, on Friday? And so to, to think about what things are taking place, what is he doing? What is he saying? Uh, what is he feeling this week as we head into uh, Resurrection Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday? Again, sometimes I think in our joy and our urgency to celebrate, we might overlook the profoundness and the heaviness of this week. Uh, going back and, and putting it into context, uh, we're celebrating, we're remembering his resurrection on Sunday. Well, if we're to back it up and to look at this week, uh, on this night, on Thursday night, Jesus is going to spend his final hours with his disciples. Now, I don't know if, I've, if you've ever been in the spot that you had to tell somebody goodbye that you loved or, or somebody that you'd spent a lot of time with and you knew, you know what, we're getting ready to go different ways. But Jesus is spending his final hours before the cross with his disciples. Uh, some of his great teachings occurred during this week. Uh, they occur, some of them on this night. And in John chapter 14, uh, you can go and you can read some of the final teachings that Jesus has for his disciples. Some of his final instructions there. Uh, I can't even imagine as he's sitting there with these guys that, that this thing is getting ready to take place and the firestorm of the cross is getting ready to break loose. And as he sits there with those guys, he says, and do not let your heart be troubled. Can't even imagine that. Going to the cross, the firestorm is about to break loose. Uh, literally all hell's about to break loose. And he says, and do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then from there, uh, they have a supper. From there, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, he is praying there. The Bible says he is in agony. Uh, really, it's a spiritual agony as he deals with the reality of, of becoming, uh, bearing our sin and, 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 and taking that to the cross. 
Uh, he is there and, and, he, and, he's, and he's praying, God, if there's any other way, now think about that. If there's any other way, let's do that. But you know what? If there's not another way, then I'm resolved and, and let's go this way then. And, and that's his prayer there. And as he's praying that and as he's in agony, his closest followers are asleep. And he starts to see how this is going to go down. And as he's there and his soul is in anguish. His closest followers can't even stay awake. And, and from there, the Bible tells us one of his closest companions uh, betrays him, sells him out. One of his, one of his core set of folks, uh, ones that he had invested in, that he had trained for, for these three years, sells him out, betrays him. And then you read the biblical account in the Gospels. It starts, it starts the process where he's taken away and he is, he's accused and he's tried falsely. And, the, and these Jews come and they put the charges on him and, and the government really wants to have no part of it, but they have to, to, to appease these folks and the, the process starts. And as you watch it, as he moves through the process, he is abandoned by absolutely everybody. And can you imagine that? He's abandoned Abandoned. The Bible says one of his three closest friends is there and there's a courtyard and as the discussion's going on, he says, I don't even know him. Can you imagine that? Your closest three friends looks at you as you're going to, to this direction and says, you know what, I don't even know him. And he's abandoned by absolutely everybody. From there, he is mocked. He is ridiculed. He's made fun of. I don't know uh, what your pride means to you, but I don't know if you've ever been just mocked to your face, humiliated to your face. He's slapped. Um, very carefully, they start the process of torturing him. The Bible says he's beaten until he's not the form of a man. You couldn't tell who he was anymore. His beard is pulled out of his face. He's savagely ripped, whipped across his back. Really a process that by itself brings you very close to death. If nothing else happened, the scourging takes him right up to the, to the, to the threshold of death. And he's, he's there on the hinge of death. He's punched. He's, he's hit with a stick. He's stripped naked as a public display. He's not somewhere with just a bunch of men. He's not somewhere with a few people to humiliate him. He's stripped naked and there he, he's on public display crown of thorns is fashioned and it's pushed into his head. He says he's a king. Let's put a crown on the king. And they take these thorns and they, they push them into his head and it's not just the, the physical pain, but it's the humility, the humbling. You know what? He says he was a king and, and he, he professed this and so let's make him a crown and let's push it into his, into his head. And the Bible says from there he goes out and he carries his cross to Calvary. Can you imagine you're walking to the place of your death? I don't know if there's ever been a place that you were dreading going, but can you imagine you're walking to the place of your death and you know it's going to be a brutal death. Walk that road. And he walks the way to Calvary. Bible says at the third hour, about nine o'clock on Friday morning, he's nailed to the cross. There he's nailed to the cross. The Bible says he's crucified to suffer unto death. Now I want to talk about the crucifixion for just a second. It is a process a very torturous process devised to keep you alive, to keep you conscious in the process and in as much pain as you can endure up until the point of death. I was looking at some stuff on the internet. If you were to burn to death, I'm told that your nerve ends very quickly are severed and are, and are, and are burnt and it's a, it's a terrible process, but very quickly you go into a state of shock and then you die. If you drown, 
Now, the lack of oxygen shuts down your brain. It's a very quick process. It is a bad process, but then you die. If you were stoned, a terrible process, a bad process, but, but very shortly a stone would hit you in the head, strike you in the head, and you would go unconscious, and there the process would go on until you die. Understand the cross goes on and on and on. It's pain on top of pain, devised to afflict pain and to keep you alive to endure the pain. And that's what it means to be crucified. The Bible says at the ninth hour, Jesus says it is finished and he dies. Beaten, mocked, ridiculed, whipped, stripped naked, nailed to a cross, suffering for air. There he dies. Today on this Thursday, headed into Easter, I want us to think about three truths that we can take away from what just happened on the cross. Three truths that we can reflect on and that we can see as we think about the cross today. Think about these things. First is this. Because God is holy... Sin is a big deal. Now, I want you to keep picturing the the cross that we just talked about, but as we move through these three things, reflect on these truths. Because God is holy, sin is a big deal. Do you realize all of that, all of this is because of sin? Sin is the issue. Sin is the problem. Our God is holy. Our God is perfect. Our God is pure. And he can have no part of sin. He can't accept sin. He can't tolerate sin. And again, because he's holy, he can absolutely have no part of sin. And so because he is holy, sin is a big deal. Let me tell you the truth. The truth is, Every influence of this world, everything inside of us, and Satan himself wants to convince us and has tried to convince us that sin really is no big deal. Sin's to be expected. We sin. Sin's okay. Well, it's just a little bit of sin. Sin's nothing to get too upset over. Well, we mess up and it's just sin. We live our lives excusing and justifying and playing down the truth about sin. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about sin. The Bible says that God hates sin. It says that sin is evil, that sin is wicked in the sight of God. It's an assault against God. It's, it's a rebellion against a loving God, the one true living God. We rebel against him. And because God is holy, sin is a big deal. Now look at the cross now. Second thing, because God is just, Sin is punished. Because God is just, sin is punished. Now think about this for just a second. Our God is just. He is perfect in his justice. Now I'm not sure we ever really explain that, what that means and why that's a big deal. But what that means is our God does the right thing Always, His judgments are always exactly correct. Our God is perfectly just. What that means is this, because he is just, he punishes sin. Because he is absolutely just, he in fact must punish sin. The Bible says, Romans 3, 23, the wages of sin, what we've earned by having sin is death. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 17, you know what? We're judged in our sin. We're condemned already in our sin. Because God is just, he must punish sin. Because God is just, that's absolutely what he does. He punishes sin. 
And some of you might sit here and say, well, I don't understand that. I don't understand what could be good about that. I don't understand how he could be a good God and do such a, a, a terrible, miserable thing. What if I went to the prison? And there in the prison, there's a bunch of folks there, and they are convicted of their crimes. They're actually guilty and convicted of their crimes. What if I were to go there into the prison, and I were to say, you know what, I, I look around the prison here, and those that are in the odd number cells, you know what, I, I like odd numbers. I don't care what they did. I don't care if it was murder. I don't care if it was rape. I don't care if they molested a child. I don't care about that. I like the odd number cells. They're free to go. I turned them loose. What if I came to the prison? I said, you know what? This, this set of people here, I, I, I sort of like them. They, they came from Vernon. They came from Wilbarger County. That's my hometown. And so, you know what? They can go free. They, I don't care what they did. They can go free. Or what about these here? After they've been here, they've done, they've done some good things, and I like what they've done. And so, you know what? These other ones, they're going to stay with these folks. They can go freer. Or, or what if I just say, you know what? Um, whatever segment, I'm, I'm going to punish them, and they're going to serve their time. In fact, I'm going to ratchet it down, and it's going to be worse on them. But this group, they can go free. Or what if I just came, and I just felt like, man, I, I just feel good today, and I just said, you know what? I don't care what any of you have done. We're going to cut the gates open and you can all go free. What kind of system would that be? What kind of culture would we live in? Think about the world if we said, you know what, there's no payment. You know what, there's no repercussion. There's no penalty. You know what, just go free. What kind of society would we live in? Let me tell you something. We need justice. We want Justice. Now, when it's applied to me, I don't want it that much, but you know what? For all of y'all, we need justice. What we go in our, in our nation, we pledge of allegiance. You know what we say? With liberty and justice for all. We want justice. Well, how awesome. Now, think about this. How awesome that our God doesn't play favorites. How awesome that he doesn't cook the books. How awesome that our good God doesn't corrupt the standard just because he could corrupt the standard, but our God is absolutely just and his judgments are always righteous and they're always correct and you can count on him to do the correct thing and because he is correct and because he is just, he punishes sin. Truth is this, God judges sin. Oh, I don't like that. I want to rebel against that. I don't care. God is absolutely just. He judges sin and the punishment for sin is death. Let me read you what that sounds like at the final judgment. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, it says this. And then I saw a great white throne in him who sat upon it, from whose presence heaven and earth fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life... He was thrown into the lake of fire. Our God is just. Our God judges sin. 
Let me, see the, let me show you the third truth. Because God is holy, sin's a big deal. We want to downplay it. Because God is just, sin is punished. And he holds to that standard. Third truth is this. Because God is gracious, sin is paid for through Jesus Christ. Because God is gracious, sin is paid for through Jesus Christ. Do you see today that's what the cross is all about? Yes, God can't tolerate sin. And yes, God is absolutely going to judge sin. And he's correct in his judgment of sin. But also understand today, in his grace, Jesus pays the penalty. Jesus goes and he satisfies the debt. That is what the cross is all about. Because God is so kind, because he is so loving, because he is gracious and merciful, Jesus, the Bible says, comes and he himself bears our sin. He himself even becomes our sin. And Jesus comes and he never sins, and yet he comes and he picks up the guilt of our sin. And he comes and he picks up the condemnation of our sin sin and then he steps carrying our sin even having become our sin into the death sentence that was due of us and then he comes as our savior and God's wrath is poured out on that sin and God's judgment of that sin is delivered upon him and he is beaten and he is whipped and he is nailed to the cross and the payment is paid and the penalty is served, and justice rolls downhill, and it falls on Jesus, and he pays it. The Bible says of that transaction, and by his stripes, we are healed. Let me tell you the truth of the cross today. The truth of the cross is this. Jesus paid the debt of sin. It wasn't removed, it was paid. He paid it. But the truth of the cross is this. God in his grace has offered that pardon to us as sinners. If by faith you'll put your, you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ and you'll understand, yes, I'm a sinner and yes, I've earned a punishment, but you know what? And God in his grace sent his son and he satisfied that debt and he absorbed and he took God's wrath toward that sin and I put my faith in him as my savior. The Bible says you will be saved. That's your choice. The other choice is this. You know what? You can deny it. You can carry your own penalty. You can carry your own condemnation. In Revelation chapter 20, you'll pay it yourself. Choice is yours. By faith in Christ, we're saved. That's what the cross is about. Let me just tell you this. If you never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I implore you today to say, you know what? Today, he is my Savior. Today, as I see the picture of the cross, yes, I profess him, he is my Lord. And then on Sunday, we're going to celebrate a Savior that paid the penalty, put in a grave, and then walks out of that grave alive, victorious, defeating death and sin and the grave. Glad you're here today. Let me ask you to stand. We'll close in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and we're in awe of a God who would come and pay the price himself, that Jesus and he himself would come and bear my sin and bear our sin. And we come today on Thursday. I can't imagine the dread that must have been in your heart on this day. And you come and you tell your disciples, even facing the cross with your face set towards Jerusalem like Flint, knowing the cross is coming and the joy is set before you, you tell them, don't let your heart be troubled. 
I can't even imagine that. I can't imagine what it is to go and to, to say, if there's a different cup, Lord, let's, God, let's take it. But even so, if this is the way, I'll submit to it. And you go and you go and you endure and you sacrifice for me. Praise Jesus. We come today and we're thankful for a risen Savior. We're thankful it doesn't end at the cross. It doesn't end in a tomb, but it ends with a victorious, risen, resurrected Savior. I pray today as we pour out of here on a Thursday that we have a renewed perspective, that we have a renewed hope in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that if we haven't received him, that today we'd receive him. If we've received him, we couldn't go out of here but not shout and tell people about our Savior, Jesus. We come today and we tell you we love you and we praise you and we worship you. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.